Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week... We're looking at how effective are New Year's resolutions and the big question for today, can I change the way I think? Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome back to you again, Dave. Hello, Gary. What a great Christmas. What a wonderful time of the year. It is really, it is really fantastic, actually. You know, a new year is certainly bearing down on us. Uh, It's been quite a year, hasn't it? It has, and hopefully one that won't be repeated. But prophetically, we know that there are more in store. There are more in store. That's uh, that's not all that encouraging. Well, we, know are, we know there are more years in store, don't we? But I guess the prophecy tells us that things are going to get worse, not better. But we have yeah. a hope. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that is actually so important to actually realise that. Uh, tell me, David, are you, are you one of those people who sits up till midnight uh, to watch uh, uh, watch fireworks? Look, I tend to sit up till midnight longer than I should anyway. But. Um, the fireworks for me, um, certainly on TV and nothing, but uh, going in person, and I, which I haven't done that often, but last year we went down to the um, Torrens River. It's really a creek yeah, uh, yeah. near the Adelaide <laughs> Oval, um, and it's only a short Wash drive. Wash your mouth out. <laughs> it's only a short drive from where we are, and probably the fireworks weren't the most spectacular thing, but one of them um, shot off, or there was something that shot off and landed on the riverbank near the crowds and started uh, burning a bush. So I thought I was in the wilderness at Sinai there, but uh, this bush was burning, the fire brigade came in, so that was ex- rather exciting. The kids always enjoy that, don't they? They do. They, they do. do. You know, the fire is coming and you know, a, bit of a, a bit of a squirt there. And uh, Tell us, have you made your New Year's resolutions yet? Look, I'm wrestling with them, Gary. I traditionally don't make New Year's resolutions because uh, maybe a week in or two weeks in, you know, you have to uh, confess you haven't kept them. But one of the ones I regularly do make, um, besides some of those others which I don't keep, is, yeah, trying to be more intentional about spending more time with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was interested the other day. I actually read, uh, and I think I mentioned this on air a couple of uh, a couple of days ago, that um, uh, Strava has actually tracked the exact date when most people's New Year's resolutions, because they've noticed a lot of New Year's resolutions concerns exercise and health and fitness and that sort of thing. And Strava have actually tracked it, and they've discovered that the big fall off is January thirteen. January 13. Okay, so look, I'm on Strava. I love Strava. And the last month I haven't done any cycling or since, yeah, last month. And um, I'm feeling it because of work. But certainly in my leave, um, what I'm doing now, uh, I am cycling more and will continue to cycle more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward in my leave to be able to catch up on some uh, miles that I haven't uh, I haven't walked. Uh, I had to miss out this morning um, just uh, putting together some uh, some material. Um, so uh, Building those uh, Christmas gifts. That you uh, building those together. Christmas cards, I had to put together. Indeed, that's exactly right. 
right. Um, but look, let's come to our religious news segment. You know, since we're, we're coming to the New Year's, we're still trying to just look at some positive news uh, headlines that are actually out there. And, you know, I love this one that, uh, uh, that I, I picked up. Uh, scientific studies show that posi- the positive effect of religion on health. Now, did you know, David, that you can actually live longer if you're a religious person? I have heard that. I have heard. Well, that. here's the here's the scientific here's evidence, the evidence for you. Here's Go the evidence for, it, yeah. for you. I love I love what these uh, these guys shared. Scientific studies over the past four decades have examined the role of both public and private a religious expression on health and longevity. Uh, the studies have shown that the practice of a religious activity improves health and increases longevity, the effect is seen even when other social or psychological differences are taken into account. For example, there was one 16-year-long study that examined the mortality rates in 11 religious versus 11 secular kibbutz in Israel. Although both communities were demographically matched and provided similar levels of social support, three times more people died in the secular kibbutz compared with the religious kibbutz. The following is a list, and then we have a list that's actually provided as some of the recent academic studies that have shown a positive influence on religion uh, of religion on health and and longevity. Uh, I love uh, uh, a number of these just really bounce at uh, out at me. Um, uh, we've got uh, one uh, one particular uh, study. This one is uh, is about uh, fifteen years old now. Uh, spiritually augmented cognitive behavioural therapy. Now, of course, cognitive behavioural therapy is uh, is frequently utilised in psychiatry. The study used spiritually augmented cognitive behavioural therapy in a mental health study. The study demonstrated that a spiritually augmented cognitive behaviour therapy helped reduce hopelessness and despair, improved treatment collaboration, reduced relapse and enhanced functional recovery. I found that to be absolutely a significant and important. You know, David, absolutely, as I look at that, yeah. I say, hey, you know, here's, you just simply put one additional element into the cognitive behavioural therapy and you're getting a better outcome. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, an- another one here. This uh, this one comes, uh, um, the question was asked, does a private religious activity prolong survival? A six-year follow-up study of 3,851 older adults. A six-year study of 3,851 elderly persons revealed that those who reported having rarely to never participated in private religious activity had an increased relative hazard of dying over those who participated more frequently in religious activity. Whereas most previous studies showed a positive effect for organised religious activities, this study has showed that personal religious activity was also effective in in reducing mortality. Hmm. Is is that something that surprises you, David? No, it's not, because I believe that our physical and our spiritual are all interconnected. And there are also studies that show after surgery and through surgery, people that are praying and have a faith, uh, there are the scientific studies that show that they have better recoveries. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've actually found that to be a remarkable study, that one, because I know the one that you're actually referring to. Um, here, here's another one here. The relationship between religious activities and blood pressure in older adults. Now, this was actually published, and by the way, these are all journal-published and peer-reviewed articles. This one was published in the International Journal of Psychiatry and Medicine, and uh, you have uh, back in, this was back in 1998, uh, this this particular article. Uh, This relationship between religious activities and blood pressure was examined in a six-year prospective study of 4,000 older adults. Among subjects who attended religious services once a week or more and prayed or studied the Bible once a day or more, the likelihood of a diastolic hypertension was 40% lower than amongst those who attended services and prayed less often. Again, you know, David, there's about uh, this particular paper that I uh, I was able to uh, uh, procure uh, lists about uh, about 20 of these of these studies that have been done over the about the last 20 years or so that show a direct correlation uh, between um, between physical health and uh, religious well-being. The two seem to be linked. We seem to be holistic people. We do, and yet ancient Greek um, teaching was that we're dualistic. Uh, the spiritual is separate from the physical, but we know that we've been created as an entire being, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. impacts our mind impacts our body and vice versa. Yeah, no, that, uh, this is actually bringing us to what we're actually going to be talking to today. But, David, do you think there's actually a case for, you know, in our New Year's resolutions to actually be making some New Year's resolutions maybe about our, our our mental health, our physical, our spi- our spiritual health, in addition to the physical, uh, because you know, I mean, I'm just so conscious that so often you know, I, I'm going to exercise more, I'm going to lose weight. These are all physical objectives, and they're important. But you know, to me, I just wonder if you know it's not worthwhile to say, "Hey, look, you know, there's some spiritual objectives that may be worth uh, throwing in there as well." This is critical. You know, we know that uh, gym memberships, uh, a lot of them are purchased before Christmas and they're not used after January. So this is the most important thing we can do is to create spiritual objectives and goals and actually work towards those, building that connection, that relationship with Jesus, because it helps us, as you've demonstrated, in every facet of our lives. Yeah, yeah. I I love this concept of us being holistic beings. You know, we're not intended, we're not created uh, to actually just be physical, but rather when we have the whole person uh, in uh, working in unity, uh, when the the physical, the mental, the social, uh, when we're able to live Link all those together, we really get the very best outcomes, don't we? Absolutely, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Look, let's come to some uh, some music. This is Bethany Dillon. How deep uh, the Father's love for us. Beyond all measure That he 
Father's love for us. And what a fantastic, what fantastic thoughts just as the new year is rolling around. And we have a wonderful book for you uh, today. We've been advertising this uh, from before Christmas right through to uh, uh, to now, just before the new year. Uh, our devotional book for you is Desire of Ages. This is a fantastic uh, little book. Uh, this is a book that uh, we would encourage you to get hold of. Uh, this is a book that over this last 12 months, that I have certainly read in my own devotional time. Each each morning, I've read uh, at least uh, at least one chapter. Uh, I've tried to uh, to spend time uh, just uh, contemplating some of the some of the words, some of the thoughts in uh, in this particular book. If you would like to have a book that you can base your devotional life on in this brand new year. Desire of Ages is, I believe, a book that will really uh, touch your heart. Uh, if you'd like a copy of the book Desire of Ages, uh, just write Desire of Ages and text Desire of Ages with your name and your address uh, to 0438 066635. That's 0438 and we'll get it to you by the fastest possible means. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. This week, we're looking at how effective are New Year's resolutions. And the big question for today, can we possibly change the way we think? Life coaching is becoming more and more popular. Uh, the facts and the numbers are actually uh, quite impressive. According to the life coaching industry, uh, the, uh, the industry continues to grow from strength to strength. The International Coach Federation boasts a whopping 53,300 members and is on a steady growth trend. The average income for life coaches ranges from 27100 to $73,100, with specialty coaches commanding greater than $100,000 annually. Growth projections uh, for the life coaching industry are an estimated 6.7%, taking revenue to $1.34 billion by 2022. of life coaches remain active in the field, suggesting there are solid opportunities there. More and more corporations are hiring life coaches instead of mental health uh, counsellors to work work house-to-house with employees. In the midst of all the growth, life coaches remain unregulated. There's no state licensing requirements, 
It suggests that a freedom of practice, but it also raises some concerns about possible equality. You know, I, I am really interested in this whole area of life coaching. You know, I've been, uh, I, I'm conscious that as a, uh, as a pastor myself, that I've certainly been involved in significant elements of life coaching. There's a, another article that uh, came across my desk, the uh, rising popularity of life coaching. Albert Einstein once said, problems can't be solved at the, by the same level of thinking that actually created them. These words are so important, especially for those of us who feel currently stuck, uh, need a new approach, a change to life, more purpose, going through a transition, or are not getting the results that they want. You know, I'm so conscious that so many of these questions are actually asked at the beginning of a new year. People start to question and ask and look at the future. When you're in a situation like that, the article goes on to say, coaches, it suggests, can really help you. Uh, you make uh, can make significant changes in your life uh, and get the life and the results that you always wanted to have. Coaches, uh, says this article, are great at identifying uh, when you're lying to yourself and pointing out any limiting beliefs that may be keeping you back from achieving what you want. A good coach will push you to your limits. It will help you grow and get what you really want out of life. You may work hard at some point. We all hit certain plateaus and have blind spots. A good coach can help you recognize and address that. Having said that, not all coaches are professionals who can help you reach your goals. Unfortunately, the coaching industry is not as regulated as other helping professions. So many people call themselves coaches, but they actually have no idea what coaching is, and they've never been trained by a credentialed coach themselves. Uh, due to the lack of such regulation, the quality of coaches does seem to vary dramatically. Finding the right coach is the very first step in making a significant change to your life. The right coach will be your, your biggest advocate. While he or she is not your friend, he or she will stand by you and support you and help you to succeed. The right coach will hold you accountable and challenge you in ways that may make you feel uncomfortable. However, with their support, you will grow more uh, than you think you possibly, possibly can. Do you know, David, I'm so conscious that how many times as uh, Christian pastors and you know, or teachers in the educational field have functioned in the coaching-type role? Have, have you had any experience in working, I suppose, as a as a coach, I mean, you're a pastor, but have you had any any experience in this sort of thing? Yeah, a little bit similar to some of this sort of thing, you know, supporting people, um, yeah, with even the basics of life, the basic things, trying to get them on a plan to to a better plane, if you like. Yeah, um, obviously, serious things you will refer and recommend. You'll give counselling. Yeah, but uh, we need to refer where possible. But uh, you know, with serious things, but there is an element of supporting people um, you know, psychologically, emotionally, and and spiritually. Yeah, I'm so conscious that you know, as as Christian pastors, many of those uh, those people who are in the the coaching field are actually picking up. I suggest almost some of those things that a Christian pastors and teachers 
often have traditionally done. I can I can well think of uh, the number of times I've sat with uh, uh, with young people and we've sat and we've talked together and we've talked about about issues that are impacting uh, their life. Uh, we've looked at their life direction and together we have coached them to a better tomorrow. Mm. And you know, to me, this is actually so exciting and so, and so wonderful. Um, but you know, one of the things I'm really conscious, uh, conscious of is this, is that, uh, we're, this week we're talking about how effective are our New Year's resolutions. And, uh, today we're talking about this issue of can I change the way that I think? And do you know, really, this is what life coaching is in fact all about. Uh, you know, I, I'm so conscious that with this New Year's resolution, sometimes the things that which we think of are those of physical things. And yet, this is the time of the year when I can actually change my mental approach to so many issues as well that can have, and that in itself has a major impact uh, on my life. Uh, David, tell me, can I change the way I think? Does the Bible have anything to say about changing thinking processes? It certainly does, Gary, and I guess the Bible is a life coach, isn't it, really, when it we is. think about it? It is. The other thing, this time of year, you know, we've just had Christmas, New Year is upon us. It's been an incredibly anxious year. I remember seeing uh, about a week before Christmas in the news, Gary, an article. It was actually it was on, on the radio, the ABC. They were talking about the, uh, the aftermath of COVID in Melbourne mm. and the impact on m- medical health workers like psychologists and psychiatrists, the amount of stress and burnout they were feeling because of it. Uh, with Christmas, there are so many people that are alone. Yeah. And so they're psychologically and emotionally, they're struggling. So the Bible does have some incredibly important things to say about um, changing the way that we think. Mm. In fact, Gary, I know it's a little bit of time, time ago, but um, in the year 2000, the um, Director General of the World Health Organization reported that five out of ten leading causes of disability worldwide are related to mental health conditions. That's in the year 2000. Wow. Now, we know now that the figures are, what, one in four? people will will develop some form of mental health uh, disorder. That's huge, isn't it? That's huge. Yeah. So we are living in times where what the world offers us and what the world throws at us, we often can't cope with. Yeah. And so the Bible helps give us some mechanisms. And and we're going to spend a little bit of time now going through some of those. Yeah, please do. So let me me share with you, and, and this is a really practical, I think, program today, Gary, as they all are. But coming up to the end of the year, we need to be really practical, Indeed. don't we? Um, the first one is the power of a positive attitude. Mm. Uh, one thing I sort of dislike is being around people continually that all they are is negative. Um, my father really blessed me with a with he didn't have a lot in life, but what he had, he shared, and what he shared was the power of a positive attitude and yeah. an attitude of yeah. gratitude. Yeah. So there are some obvious, simple, uh, obvious merits of having a positive attitude and positive thinking. In Philippians chapter four verse eight, the apostle Paul is in prison, and yet this is what he says: He says, "Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things." are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things. Mm. So if we consistently apply this approach, if what we feed into our mind is regularly positive, then that will have an impact. 
In other words, we can reprogram our brain. Science has shown us that. It takes time, but it can be reprogrammed. So we need to put these positive attributes into practice, positive thinking. So a positive outlook, as you've shared, is known to improve recovery from surgery and the immune system's ability to fight off disease as well, disease as, well as aid in cancer recovery. Yeah. You've shared some of this stuff. I think, I think that's actually a, a really significant point that you're making there because uh, when, when Paul, I love the example that you used of Paul, he's actually in prison. Yeah. And, you know, one would think that if you were in prison, you know, because you were a Christian, you would actually have a reason to actually uh, whinge, complain, you'd have, you know, to be negative. Where's God? Uh, where is God? You know, he really has left me. And, and that question uh, that you've actually raised is so significant because I'm conscious of how many times as a pastor I've actually been asked that particular question you know why is it that hey I've got cancer yeah you know why has God allowed this why has God allowed you know, it's, it's so very real that uh, that issue and yet Paul is able to turn around and say hey in fact in another place I think he says in whatever uh, pur- I, I have purposed in my heart in whatever state I am therein to be content yes. and you know to me that's that's a mental change that really does challenge the philosophy of so much that's actually within our society. Absolutely. And he also says in Philippians, while he's in prison, he says, rejoice. Now, he's not sitting there in a luxury prison, and I guess prison's not luxury, but (laughs) our prisons are luxury compared to back then in biblical times. He says rejoice. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Mm. Happiness for me is something that impacts me in the present, um, the surroundings that I'm in. Joy is something that's internal that cannot be taken in spite of the circumstances I'm in. It's something deeper. It's something that, that is that is far more significant. Yeah, yeah. So I think you've said something really good there, Gary. Uh, Paul is in prison and he says, look, think of the positive things, the noble things, the true things, etc. Now, when we have an po- optimistic and a positive approach to life, then... When the negative things come along and they may seem to overwhelm us, the key lies in turning a problem into a challenge and then working to meet it. We need to turn the negatives into positives. And in fact, Paul again in Ephesians chapter 5, Gary, he says that there are some things that we really shouldn't be focusing on. He says, Ephesians 5 verse 12, he said, some things are so shameful we should not even speak of them. Now, he's not talking about thinking, but degrading things, if you like. So if we want to have good mental health, we should discipline our minds. We should avoid degrading a degrading mental diet. Mm. And the principle is, with our mind, garbage in, garbage out. Mm. Good things in, good things out. Do you think, David, that, I mean, I'm so conscious that, I mean, the the media really has a huge impact on our families, our children, ourselves. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, are we saying here that, you know, media can actually create a, a negativity, can actually create, a, I suppose, a burden in our mind? It certainly can. I know so many people that don't listen to the news, uh, let alone all the other media, mm. um, because it's all negative. Now, I'm a bit of a news junkie myself, mm. and mm. I like listening to it. But every now and again, I just look at the news feeds online, and it's just negative, negative, negative. And if yeah. I weren't a Christian, I could easily end up in a hole thinking, well, what hope is there? 
It's interesting, Dave, you say that because for you know developing this particular program, uh, one of the things that I do do is spend a, a, some time each day just researching, you know, what uh, what is happening in our big wide uh, religious world out there. And uh, over Christmas, New Year, I've certainly come to the point of saying, "Hey, look, you know, we need to look at some positive uh, news items because I know myself a constant diet of what's happening negative, negatively out there can actually have a negative impact on you." It, it definitely can. It def- and if we focus on that, garbage in, garbage, garbage out. out. Positive yeah. in, positive out. So I think another one then is to also to rein in our feelings and emotions. God made us in his image. He made us uh, with a human personality to be able to express godly feelings and to, to relate with each other with our feelings. So... Bible premise of God is that God is a God of love. First John 4, 8, God is love. And so if we focus on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, again mm. the Apostle Paul, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we follow these things, then um, we'll be able to manage our emotions so much better. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think what you're actually saying here is that it's almost as though there is a place for the Christian experience in every man's life. Yeah, there is. And, and I guess focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, mind control is a horrible thing to say. I don't want to use that because I know that happens in some countries. But with the fruit of the Spirit, if we focus on those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, that will transform and renew our mind. Mm. And when we aren't focusing on these sorts of things, uh, when there is no self-control, uh, the Solomon says in Proverbs twenty five twenty eight in the New Living Translation, he says, a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Yeah, yeah. So when we focus on these positive things, the fruit of the Spirit, then we have a life and a mind that's, that's harnessed, if you like, in a positive sense, and um, we can avoid some of these negative emotions. <laughs> I, I think you, you've you've hit the nail on the head there. In fact, you know, David, I don't know about you, but in in my ministry, one of the things that I'm really conscious of, I've spoken to a lot of individuals who are carrying a thing called guilt. Yes. And this issue of guilt is something that uh, seems to abide uh, deep within an individual. Uh, they they've got no way of getting rid of it. And classic psychology will say, hey, you know, there is actually nothing wrong with some of the things which you're which you're feeling guilty about. But you look at this particular list here, um, uh, because you get uh, we're talking of Galatians chapter five, where you've talked about the fruit of the spirit. But immediately before that, there's actually been a, a list where it's talked about the works of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery for fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, uh, idolatry, um, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, and, and the list actually goes on. And uh, a classic uh, uh, psychology will say, hey, look, you know, between consenting adults, uh, there's nothing wrong okay. with any of these any of these things. The problem is, is what it does is it actually engenders within the individual a thing called guilt. And, of course, when guilt is deep within an individual, it actually impacts their entire life. And I'm just so conscious that, uh, hey, this is something which I'm conscious that's so many people are actually struggling with. They really are. And we're told that we shouldn't feel guilty. 
you know, that, that, that it's a bad emotion. Now, we were made in God's image. We yeah. were made to reflect and represent God. And so when society tells us through the media and through other means, it's okay to have extramarital affairs. It's okay to, to um, look at pornography. It's okay to do all these sorts of things. Irrespective of what society tells us, we were pre-programmed for a life that is better. And there is this, uh, you know, the Christian authors say there is a God-shaped hole. There's a void in each one of us that is not fulfilled by these things. Mm. And so then, as you say, naturally shame and guilt come, and depending what it is, we, we bury that further because we don't want people to know the true self that we've become. And, you know, David, this is where, to me, Christian theology is actually so powerful because Christian theology actually brings a thing in called uh, repentance and forgiveness. Do, do you think there's a place? I mean, do you think we've overlooked something today uh, by maybe ignoring this issue of uh, confession and repentance? I absolutely do. I was going to touch on this at the end, but let's do it now because yeah, yeah. this is key. Because this does, as you say, this impacts not only our psychological, emotional well-being, it'll end up affecting our physical well-being, our health. And I know people have gone to their grave earlier than they should because of these sorts of things. Um, so forgiveness and repentance are key things, Gary. And you know what? Some people have this harsh negative view of God. That mm. God is a, a, an old man with white hair with a big stick ready to trap mm. us and trip mm. us up. But listen to these beautiful promises. Uh, Micah uh, chapter 7 verses 18 and 19, the Old Testament. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Wow. There's some things in my life, Gary, in the past that um, I certainly would, uh, are not proud of and I wouldn't want uh, brought up. And God promises. Broadcast on national uh, radio. That's, that's not not on Faith FM. No, uh, maybe that could be another series, Gary. But but God promises He will hurl those sins into the bottomless sea. And I don't know about you. A couple of weeks ago, it's just come to mind, Gary. Now, just as we head into New Year's, that um, the Chinese went to the deepest part of the sea in a submarine. No, I missed that. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's 11 kilometers or some yeah, incredible yeah. depth. Yeah. God promises to hurl our sins, sins into, into that the depth, depths of the sea. Never to be redredged. In fact, David actually says, as far as the, uh, the north is from the, uh, as far as the east is from the west. west, so shall I. And I love that when David says that, because, you know, if he had said, as far from the north to the south, I would have a problem with that, because if you go far enough north, ultimately you start going south again. That's correct. Uh, but if you say, as far as the east is from the west, you know, where does the west actually end? Where does the east actually, it just keeps on going, it never stops, you know, yeah. and I look at that and I say, hey, you know, what a wonderful God we're at, you know, isn't this something that we need at this time of the year, you know, a fresh start, a brand new start. So, so forgiveness, and rep it's really having the slate wiped clean, clean, it's really rebooting the computer, defragging it was called, defragmenting yeah. it, and, and wiping it clean so everything works better. In um, 1 John 1, 9, Beautiful mm -hmm. promise. It says, if we confess our sins, he, this is God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The big word there is a small word, word if. Yeah. If we confess, he is faithful. God's faithful irrespective. But if we confess the word if, then he will cleanse us and forgive us from all unrighteousness. 
Beautiful, beautiful mm. promise. And, mm. and, and this impacts us. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. So many people are living in a world of darkness, aren't they? Gloom because of the sin that they've lived in, that they've hidden, that they've buried in their lives. And Jesus wants to free us from all of that. And they're carrying this incredible load of guilt. And I sort of turn around and say, hey, you know, we make all these New Year's resolutions that, hey, I'm going to lose weight and that's, and that's good and that's proper. I'm going to, you know, care for my diet. That's, that's good. But you know, there's all these mental health stuff that we just leave um, uh, undealt with. Which impacts the other. Which impacts the other. And you know, the story of scripture is we are to forgive because God is a God who forgives. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 4.32 and be kind to one another. This is actually an interesting, but this is a little bit of a side issue because we get this issue of us needing a God's God calling on us to repent because he wants to forgive us. But then you've got this next issue that is a, a little bit, a little bit the same as it. Uh, in fact, it's found in, in the Lord's Prayer. That's Lord, right. Uh, let, uh, forgive what, us our sins, sins as we forgive those who have forgiven, uh, wronged us. Wronged, uh, this is a, this is a, an amazing expectation because, you know, David, to me, I'm so conscious of the healing that can actually come when, when a person forgives. When a person is forgiven themselves and then they choose to actually forgive others, what happens is you get incredible healing uh, within the life of both the individual and in the life of the other person. Because we ca- when someone has wronged us, we carry that. We want revenge maybe perhaps or it just irks us and hurts us and wounds us and it just grows deeper and deeper the longer we dwell on it. it does. And so with forgiveness, if we can forgive that person, even if they haven't said sorry, forgiveness is really giving it back to God. Yeah. God, yeah. I'm putting this in your hands. You know, um, I forgive, Lord. Um, I'm putting it back in your hands. So, yeah, in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. Beautiful picture. It is. So yeah. forgiveness is critical. Yeah, yeah. That's part of this big picture, isn't it? You know, this is, this is starting the new year with good thinking. So... Think- yeah, sorry, Gary, you finished. No, go on. So a New Year's resolution, a really good one. Who do I need to forgive? Um, how many how many lines do I need to write on the paper of people I need to forgive? And maybe contacting them and saying, look, I'm really sorry for, for what I did. Or, or um, it might be just leaving these things with God. Can I say that, you know, you know, David, one of the things that I'm so conscious of from people I've spoken to is they don't realize that, God actually expects us to forgive. Well, he says that we are forgiven as we forgive. Yeah. Now, yeah. that's that's important because I've known Christians that'll say, I will never forgive this person. Yeah. yeah. And I've said to some of these people that I know, I've said, well, do you realize what God says? He said, if you don't forgive, then you will not be forgiven. Yeah. And, and this is something that I'm uh, – is it difficult? Yes. Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Do I sometimes need the support of somebody else to, to, to go through this act? Yes, I do. And does it always happen immediately? No, no it it's doesn't. It's a process. It's a process. And it doesn't mean to say someone should not receive consequence for their actions Correct. if they've wronged you. Correct. But what it means is you're giving 
permission for God to take that from you. Yeah. Gary, I know we're going to go for a break, but I just want to share a quick story that's come into my mind. I remember um, dealing with a church member once, interacting in my first um, one of my first parishes, and, and this particular lady said that uh, she had issues with another lady in the church, and she said, look, heaven's a big place. She said, we don't have to. This is what she said to this other lady. <laughs> heaven's a big place. We don't have to live next to each other. And I just thought, wow. If you believe you can carry that attitude into heaven, you won't be there, love. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is actually so true. David, thank you so much for that story. Let's come to some uh, music. This is Salah. Uh, you are my hiding place.
You are my hiding place. We've got a wonderful book uh, for you uh, for you today. If you'd like to uh, uh, receive our free gift, our free gift today is the book Desire of Ages. Uh, this is a marvelous devotional book for the new year. You know, just as we're we're coming up to the new year, if you want to uh, really build your devotional life, then this is the book that you must grab hold of. I've read it through myself just this last uh, twelve months uh, for my own devotional time, and uh, really have a. Appreciated it once again. If you'd like your own copy of the book Desire of Ages, uh, then please uh, just uh, text the words Desire of Ages. Please make sure you put the name of the book there because we do have a number of uh, requests coming in. Uh, Desire of Ages with your name uh, and your address. Uh, please text 0438 0665. That's 0438 0665. Uh, you will really come to appreciate the book Desire of Ages. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're looking at how effective are New Year's resolutions and the big question for today is can I change the way I think? Uh, David, uh, please, really appreciate what you've actually shared so so far. Uh, what else is there? Can I really change? How do I go about changing the way I think? So there's lots of things, Gary. We're not going to be able to cover them all, but one of them I want to touch on is we live in a world where taking time out is not an option, it's a necessity. Uh, Jesus did this with his disciples in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. He said to his disciples, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Mm. So we live in a world where we need to have rest. God mirrored this in the creation week there in Genesis. He worked six days, came to the seventh day, and it says he stopped his work and rested. Now this leads then into another important thing which can help us with our thinking and our well-being, and that is we live in a world of constant change. And uh, psychiatrists and uh, mental health professionals have discovered and have affirmed the belief of needing a weekly uh, rest once Mm -hmm. a week. And this is biblical. This is biblical. It's called the Sabbath. And the the biblical uh, stance on the Sabbath is that uh, every week, every seventh day, and it's actually the seventh day, the Saturday, the Sabbath, the biblical Sabbath, is a time, the word Sabbath means to cease, means to Mm. rest. Mm. And we live in a world, uh, a Jewish scholar, Abram Heschel, said, we live in a world where our work is never done. It's never complete. There's always something to do. But he says when the Sabbath comes on a Friday night, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, he says we should rest as if our work is complete. I, that is so beautiful. You know, to me, I look at this and I say, what a beautiful God we actually served. You know, I, I'm so conscious that I live in a world that almost expects me to, to be a robot. Uh, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm expected to be able to perform almost on the proverbial treadmill. Continually. Uh, continually. And it doesn't matter which area of life I'm talking about, that's, that's the reality. And yet it's so important, I found, to actually have this day and then to have a God that actually says, uh, Pastor Gary, I want you to have a rest. In fact, you know, some people have actually said to me that, oh, look, you know, it's very legalistic uh, to keep a Sabbath. If it is legalism, please bring it on. 
this 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 is such a beautiful a gift yeah, uh, to be able to celebrate an entire day that I have off. And God is saying you need to stop your works. Yeah. You need to stop working and rest. That's not legalistic. Yeah. In fact, the opposite is true. Yeah. And so not only is stopping for a rest, the Sabbath, uh, uh, good for our mental well-being, a reset, a recharge, it's a spiritual thing. More importantly, God is saying, I want to have time with you. I want to build that relationship. Yeah. I want you to worship me as your creator God. So that's one thing. The uh, Another one, I think, is to confront our anxieties and fears. Mm-hmm. And um, we can do that in a positive way, clearly. Uh, and one of the ways of doing that on a nightly basis, Psalm 4 verse 4 says, meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. So sometimes at the end of the day, it's really good to empty our receptacle in our brain of the things of the day and start again. Mm. In Matthew 6 verse 31 and 33, we come across some anxieties that relate to our basic needs. And this is what Jesus said. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to to you. So God is really saying, look, instead of being anxious about these things like the the non-Christians do, he says, put me first, conform to my priorities, and I will provide for you. And I don't know about you, Gary, but it's wonderful in knowing that in spite of our best efforts, there is a God that wants to take care of us. Yeah. yeah. In other words, to be able to reassess your priorities. You know, every now and then I keep hearing that in, a, in order to uh, to retire, you're going to need, you know, this huge sum of money. You know, it's only, I suppose, in recent years that I've come to come to realize that um, in all probability when I get to retirement, I'm not going to have anywhere near um, the uh, uh, the glorified sums that are actually um, expressed out there. Uh, but, you know, David, one of the things I'm so conscious of is that passage of Scripture uh, because I, I am just so conscious that we serve a serve a God uh, that wants us to be able to trust in and rely on him and to establish your priorities in such a way that it's actually a God that's actually number one on the on the tree of priorities and then coming down from there. The stress levels drop when we put God first because he says, I'll provide for you. Now, I want to follow on from that, Gary. Um, Please Philippians do. 4, verse 6 and 7 and 9, I love these verses. Paul begins, and we've said already that in Philippians he's in jail, Mm. a dank, dark jail, probably Mm. chained to a guard. It's dark. It says, he says, be anxious for nothing. Now, hello a minute. What's going on? How can you not be anxious when potentially, and he thought he was going to die. Yeah, he got beheaded. Now he's on he's on death he's row. He's on death row. He's on death row. How do you be anxious for nothing? Now this is what he says: be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let you let your requests be made known to God. And I love verse seven: and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Mm. So, don't be anxious. How do you not be anxious? Through prayer to God, put your requests and share your heart with God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which is above all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. Then in verse 9, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So we receive the peace of God when we take our petitions to him in prayer. Because he is the God of peace, verse 9. These are gifts 
that God is really wanting to give to us, isn't it? You know, there is, and I'm sure there are people at this very time that are anxious. Yeah. How are they going to pay their bills? What happens uh, with the COVID stimulus finishing? All of these things. How will they survive? One last thing, Gary. Please. Really important one. Now, Please. I love humor. Yes. Okay, sometimes I get in trouble for it, uh, for using it in the wrong places. But uh, Never lose it, David. Don't lose it. You have to have it, eh? You have to do it. Humor has a healing power. It does. And uh, the Bible actually says this, Proverbs 15, 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Yeah. And again, chapter 17, verse 22, a merry heart does good like medicine. Mm. So when is the last time you had a laugh? Yeah. When's the last time you smiled? Um, these are really important things we should be practicing yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. David, I, I really appreciate what you've actually shared there because what we've actually got is a, uh, something that is talking about a, a me- the mental health issues. You know, our, our world today is struggling with this whole issue of mental health. You know, increasingly, you know, there's more and more people have actually got mental health issues. And yet some of the things which we've talked today, I suggest to you that if they were actually incorporated into people's lives, might see a lot mental health issues actually disappear. You know, I think of, you know, the, the really big ones, you know, the, uh, this issue of forgiveness and repentance. You know, that is absolutely huge in my ministry, the number of people I've had to talk to who have been struggling with loads of guilt. And, and there is a place for medication in, in, in yes, some of yes, these things, yes, isn't yes. there? But medication will not help forgiveness. Exactly, exactly. Christianity actually has answers that actually go above and beyond, uh, which is so much in even the the psychology field, dare I, dare I say it. Absolutely. So yeah. I guess, Gary, this time of year, New Year's right around the corner, right? The year is finished almost. And... I want to challenge our listeners to incorporate. Um, yes, if you want to uh, go out and buy a gym pass, go do it, but you'll probably blow your money. Yes, if you want to say, I'm going to lose so many kilos, uh, good luck, God bless, I hope it works. But let's incorporate some of these emotional, spiritual things that can change us they are the things that should be our primary thing when it comes yeah, to new year's yeah. resolutions david i'm just wondering would you pray right now would you pray for anyone who maybe is carrying a load of guilt maybe somebody who who is struggling to know which way they should go someone who might need a, a an eternal life coach mm-hmm. uh, you know would you pray for, for for those people right now let's do that father in heaven um this year is almost finished 2020 Lord, um, it's been a troubling year for so many, an uncertain year, a year of fear and, and problems, Lord. A year when many people have lost their employment, where they don't know where they will turn, Lord. And so, Father, um, in an age where we turn to the pharmacist or we turn to the doctor or we turn to psychologists, which are all important and all have their place, I want to invite our listeners to turn to you. And Lord, guilt and shame cannot be fixed with a tablet. Guilt and shame can only be fixed. Uh, Those deep inner things that we don't want anyone to know, those dark, shameful things, they can only be fixed by coming to you. And the good news is that you don't tell us, you don't run from us, you're not scared of seeing our dirt and our dark and shameful things because you already see them. Instead, you invite us to confess. Dear God, please forgive me for this. Forgive me for this horrible thing, Lord. Please change me. Please renew me. Father, I pray that that will be the prayer of people listening today.
I pray, Lord, they'll be able to find support also in a good Christian minister and a good Christian church that can support them. Father, you're a God who forgives. And so I pray, Lord, that you will forgive us. And I pray, Lord, that the people we need to forgive, that we will forgive them too and hand that over to you so that we can experience healing. Lord, help us to put in place for New Year's Day some of these things that we've talked about for resolutions, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, which will impact the physical. Lord, we want to commit 2021 to you. And so we just want to pray a blessing on all of our listeners, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray ask, is holistic health possible? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, and please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.